to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you... Yes, you! ...in the game. Today we talk about two big trades, as the Raiders trade Amari and the Giants trade Eli. Apple, that is. Do you see what I did, Ollie? Oh, yeah, yeah, the wrong Eli. Thanks, mate. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have Coach Brian Billett coming up with Mark Brunel, former Jags quarterback. What a show we've got coming for you. This is the Gridiron Show. I ran out of time because of my bad joke, but we've also got Derwin James and future first ballot Hall of Famer Antonio Gates as well. What a show! And and Rosie, Rosie, Rosie. Uh, I don't, we we put, we've been putting Rosie on every week. I don't. We don't necessarily need to do it again this week. I mean, it's always well, should we give him a, a friend chat with him? But let's give him a rest. Basically, it's, we just put on the chat I do with him on Talksport to uh, to pad out the show a bit, but. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I'm so tired. Jeez. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. Ollie's been here all day. Yeah, I have. I've been, I, I, <laughs> I've been here 16 hours. I've, I've, slept, <laughs> I've slept like four hours in the last 36, but they were like two and a half hours this morning and then little half hour blasts in the car today while we were driving around doing various bits and pieces. So I am tired. Did you sleep in your wife's little Figaro? Uh, no, no. We, we went out in the, uh, in the notes today. In the normal so Going <laughs> further in the distant states. So, we're coming up in the show. We're not going to do the full roundup of the weekend again because we're coming out Wednesday morning. There's no necessarily need to do Everyone's that. Everyone's done it. Exactly. So, we'll talk about the Wembley game, Titans Chargers. You'll hear Ollie's conversation with Derwin James, friend of the show now, and Antonio Gates. And we're also going to talk about uh, the Giants trading Eli Apple to the Saints. We'll talk about Amari Cooper going to the Cowboys for a first-round pick. We'll hear Coach Billick's thoughts on that trade and much, much more. Yeah. Brian Billick joining us on the phone. And Mark Brunel, former Jags quarterbacks talking, talk, quarterback talking, Blake Bortles as well. It's a jam-packed show, Ollie. <laughs> we came into this thinking, uh, what are we going to talk about? I've forgotten that we'd got Coach Billick on. But yeah, you're right. It's going to be ramoed. Here's what I'm going to do. Okay. Because we're not doing a roundup of the games. I'm just going to very quickly tell you, kickers are rubbish, even Justin Tucker, except in Tampa Bay, where they're rubbish and then good again. <laughs> Hugh Jackson's an idiot and needs to be fired as soon as possible. Sure. Jacksonville are in a deep, dark hole, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. And Mitchell Trubisky, as I heard him described by Gary Gramling, is now Blake Bortles North and will be referred to as Blake Bortles North from here on out until he proves he's actually a good quarterback. Can I do a couple? Yep, go on. Yeah. Um, Indianapolis, not as bad as everyone else thought. The Buffaloes are as bad as everyone else thought. The Buffaloes? I like that. The Buffaloes, yeah, that's true. Uh, Miami... Dumpster fire, Detroit. I don't know what's going on. Philadelphia. What are they? What are they? New England. Get on with it. Are they back? Don't know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. New England. They're back. <laughs> Dallas. What are they? Washington. Even winning. What are they? Kansas City. So much fun. So <laughs> that was our talk. roundup. Yeah. Of, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that's great. Perfect. Of week seven. Well done. Uh, we didn't touch on Giants. Still dumpster fire, despite. Getting it tight on Monday night. Late. Messy. Just rubbish. Falcons have a chance? I mean, I think they do because there's a lot of teams banging around the 500 and below mark in the NFL right now. So that wouldn't be stunning at all. But let's, um, let's talk about Sunday at Wembley. I wasn't there, but I watched it here at the comfort of TalkSport Towers in the, uh, in the office and thoroughly enjoyed the game. But Ollie, you were there and it was a glorious day for it, so many reasons. Oh, it was a beautiful day. It was balmy at 
the sun was beaming down on onto Wembley. It was bedecked in the powder blue regalia of the San Fran, San Fran of the San Diego. No, not them either. Of the LA Chargers. <laughs> Uh, I'm so tired. Got there eventually. But just uh, the the crowds took a while to get the fans took a while to get into the game. But when they did, they were loud. Titans were, turned up and it ju- it wasn't a dreadful game. We saw some big plays, some long touchdowns, some good defense. We saw Philip Rivers doing some Philippi Riversy stuff. It was just a really good game and then culminated in a two point conversion that went wrong twice. Should he have done it? Shouldn't he have done it? I spoke to some Titans radio people afterwards and they said, not surprised and we're not angry. We, you, you, you take it when it goes well for you, which it hasn't as of yet. And um, you, uh, you accept, accept it when it doesn't go for you. It was just, it was a great, great day because on those two point conversions, the San, <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers fans. You were there. I was there. The Los Angeles Chargers fans really, really got loud. And the neutrals also all got loud. And it was just a brilliant, brilliant finale. Um, the uh, From what I saw on TV, my feeling towards it was that the Titans kind of dug their own grave a little bit. Now, we had the Mike Vrabel two-point decision, and we're going to get the thoughts of Coach Billick on that a little bit later in the show. But for me, loved the idea, hated the play call. They'd run a a play action on the fourth and one at the goal line for the touchdown in the first place. They'd then run a play action on the first attempt, or a rollout at least, and I'm pretty sure it was a play action, on the first attempt from the the two-point conversion. They got lucky that A, well... Mariota got the play back despite having not seen a wide open Dion Lewis and just the fact that he got the play back at all when it wasn't a good throw. You've got Dion Lewis who's been playing fantastically. You've got Derek Henry who is a power back who's been getting over the top, who's been uh, burying for those short la- yardage when he's needed to. Run the ball, guys. They could have absolutely punched that in and made the end of that game even more ridiculous. From a Los Angeles perspective... My concern is that I came into this game expecting a bit of a blowout and what we actually got was them letting the Titans stay in the game. You know, when you're intercepting Mariota for the first time in the red zone in his career to end the half, to go in up at half time, that's the kind of game where you should be dominant. But it took two long touchdowns to do it, the 75-yarder and the 55-yarder. And I just... It was Chargers being Chargers-Z again. I just hope with Joey Bosa coming back after... uh, Joey Bosa coming back after the bye. We kind of nearly called it Christmas then. Feels like Christmas for them. Week off, just enjoying themselves. Joey Bosa back after that. That means that you're going to get more play out of Melvin Ingram and and actually someone like Derwin James coming out of the backfield who had quite a quiet day Sunday. I think there's still room for them to improve. But at 5-2, and I'm very excited to see where they're going to go with it. And they'll have Melvin Gordon back. He missed the game because of a tight hamstring. How, how much was he missed? He was missed a lot because Austin Eckler, who looks really good as the change of pace back, as the the guy that's going to predominantly catch out of the backfield as well. He um, and he's often used where Melvin Gordon's also on the field as well. He was used as a an up the up the gut man as as your main running back, your three down back generally, and. He doesn't have the same power. He ran okay, and if you look at his stat line, I think he rushed for over 4.4 yards per carry, but he's not Melvin Gordon. (laughs) So they never managed to use the running game to then stretch or or make the game 
take the game away from the Titans and the Titans then hung in and if it wasn't for a couple of really big drops Tajay Sharp and was the other one Trent uh, Corey Davis Mm -hmm. Uh, so the Titans were wasteful they had a lot of room up the middle and I think Joey Bosa when he gets back will allow Melvin Ingram to cause more damage up the middle and and sit back the, the, the two pieces there missing for the Chargers bring them back and I think they're obviously they're a much better football team and I think they'll put teams away obviously yeah 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 I'm excited to see what they do going forward. It just there is enough concern there for me that when they come get up against those juggernauts like they have, I hope they're just a team who are growing into the season. And I think that's what we had seen before this week. This felt like maybe even a step back against a Titans team who impressed to an extent. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. Should we hear from a couple of those charges in that locker room, Ollie? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so, well, you are you were the man to speak with the guys. So who do we want to hear from first? Let's do it chronologically. Spoke with chronologically in how I spoke to them. So first up, <laughs> let's hear, age. Let's hear from potential defensive rookie of the year, Derwin James. I'm here with Derwin James. Chargers win. Chargers win. Chargers win. Chargers win. Um, we came out today. We fought hard and um, we pulled it out in the end. Talk to me about those final two plays, the one that was flagged and then that second one as well. Uh, we, we just wanted to just get on the play. We knew they was going to come out, try to spread us out, and we knew Mariota, he was going to try to you know extend the play with his legs. Good quarterback, good team, and um, like I said, it was just a tough win. The one that was flagged, were you surprised not to see him under centre? He was standing out in the shotgun? No, we knew he, he would be in the shotgun because, like I said, he's very mobile and he's very good at running. So we, we knew that he'll try to run around and try you know, to find an open man in the back of the end zone. So uh, we wanted to do a great job in the secondary, staying tight on people. And um, on, on the one they say we was holding, so we had to come back and do it again. And um, like I said, it didn't matter. How did it feel when you heard all of those... British and some American, but all of those fans booing the Titans as they were going for the two the two pointer. That was cool. I mean, I mean, I feel like the the UK fans, man, they did a great job and they was loud all game. We heard them, and um, like I say, it was a very exciting experience for me. And um, I just want to say thank you to all of them. How do you feel your game went personally? Uh, I feel like it's saying it's always room to get better. I feel like every week, even if you play a good game, it's room to get better. It's, I feel like I'm just constantly just going to try to get better every week. Talk to me about the guy who's a couple of lockers down. He came up with that crucial tip on that final play. Oh man, he's he's like our he's like our coach, our quarterback on defense, man. He does everything. I mean, he plays linebacker, plays safety, he plays whatever we need. He's like a player that we could put him in, and I, I feel like he's one of our most valuable uh, pieces on defense. So he's like you. He plays every single part of that defense. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like uh, he he does a great job doing it. How do you cope in practice having to cover Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams? How do you do that? Man, I mean, it's tough. We play against those guys every day in practice. And I, I feel like in a game, it's kind of easy because we go against, uh, to me, one of the best receiver court in the league. And our offense is, one of, is the best offense in the league to me. So uh, I, I, I'm just happy to be a Charger, man. Great win for you guys. Five and two. Playoffs are firmly in your sights, right? Yes, sir. That's the goal. Get to the playoffs. We're five and two, and um, we we just want to continue. Um, get after the. We got a bye week coming up. After the bye weekend, let, let's keep it rolling. And you got Joey back as well. Yes, sir. We got to get it. Derwin James speaking with Ollie and NCO. Business like, very forthright. Enjoyed the trip clearly, but it's all you know. Five and two. We're moving on from here. We're onwards and upwards. Yeah, exactly that. And what I really liked about him was that Adrian Phillips, who's the guy that tipped the pass um, to, to, for, to ice the game in the end, to win the game in the end, his locker is right next to 
Derwin James and no one was talking to Derwin James. I just had to wait for one guy. Everybody else was around Adrian Phillips. So I just snuck around the, around the corner, sat down next to Derwin. We had a little chat and he, he listens. And I, what I like about that is he listens. He's polite. It's just he was a lovely, lovely gentleman. I, I, he listens and he's polite. These are the things that Ollie looks for in, uh, in a good guest. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Right, let's hear from <laughs> a man who kept me waiting, I would say for about 10 minutes, where while he conducted the slowest, the, a, a version of a man dressing the slowest he could ever dress. Do you think he didn't want to talk to you? The guy is a hero of mine, I've got to tell you. One of my all-time favourite players. To watch. I've I, more and more have realised what a fan I am of the tight end position over the last couple of years mm. and I love watching I love a great blocking tight end I love a guy who can get to the second level and make a block I love a guy that can make catches from the end of that line I just think it's a it's just such a versatile position they can a really good offense does so much with a good tight end and Antonio Gates is one of the best he is one of the best and future hall of famer and uh, we I spoke to a guy that covers the charges as a as a cameraman back in LA after the game and he said that it's kind of an unwritten rule that you don't talk to these wily old veterans because they've done their time talking to young reporters. I, I'm classing myself young in, in NFL terms. And maybe that was, there was a case of that, but I stuck around and maybe he appreciated me sticking around because he was a really, really nice guy. He answered all my questions in length. I didn't try and fob me off. I managed to speak to him for four to five minutes. So... Let's hear it. Uh, up next, Antonio Gates, former, 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 future Hall of Famer. I've, I've mixed up former and future there. Antonio Gates, Can you future be a former, Hall of Famer. What do you have to do to be a former Hall of Famer? Let's think about that while we listen to Antonio Gates. Joined in the Chargers locker room by future Hall of Famer. He won't like me saying it, but Antonio Gates, you have been around for, for a while. I can't think you've been involved in too many thrilling finishes like that. Yeah, well, it's, it's obvious this this was a tough win, man, and uh, I can't say enough about how we was resilient and how we continue to fight and, um, you know, take our hats goes off to that Tennessee team. That's a good football team, and uh, due to all the stuff and, and things we had to go through over the last seven days, uh, we knew it was going to be a tough, you know, a tough one to try to pull out, and unfortunately, we were able to pull it out. So how much do you credit that defense for those two stops? There were two stops at the end of the game. Yeah. Pretty thrilling, huh? Well, that's the thing. man. We, we just never know the play that's going to help us win the game. And uh, that's our philosophy. Uh, you know, you play four quarters uh, just because you never know. And uh, when, you, when you see that defense constantly fighting and, uh, you know, obviously they gave up the touchdown, but they were still, they played the next play. And I think that's our motto. You move on to the next play and uh, boom, they made the play that helped us win the game. Talk to me about those wide receivers, the Williams twins. They're not twins. Uh, talk to me about those guys and Keenan Allen as well. I mean, they're, they're eating into your targets, but when you're winning games, you don't mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think the core of our team and what we try to build is that we want to be we want to be obviously consistent, but we want to have depth. I think when you think about how many guys that can make plays on our team that can help us win football games, uh, then you think of those names, and we, you can add in. Obviously, Melvin wasn't able to play today, and you got Austin, and uh, you know our tight end group. We got so many weapons. I think that's what makes us unique, and I think that'll help us in the long run. Now, you went on the team at the beginning of the season. 
could you ever have envisaged then coming to a foreign country and going home back with a W? Yeah, well, that was the plan. I must say, I had a plan of trying to come here and get a win. And uh, we were able to do that. Uh, you can see it throughout the whole week, though. Our focus uh, was still there. Uh, you know what I mean? I think that's important. When you have a team and you're traveling and you go out the country, uh, we maintained our focus. It was like a business trip, but yet we enjoyed the country. The hospitality was phenomenal, and we were able to get the win. Talk to me about the crowd as well. They got really loud on those final two plays. It felt like a Chargers home team. It did. It felt like a home game. And uh, one thing about it that we always say that sometimes, uh, you know, that the fans can give you that extra motivation that you may need uh, to get it done. And uh, you see, you can see they was cheering us on. And uh, we were able to, you know, use that energy and make some plays to help us win the game. And a quick word on the Coach Lynn. What uh, does he bring this side? And, and, and how does he get you guys motivated and, and going for the next one? Well, you know, he, he speaks and his whole thing is, uh, you know, he talks about the, you know, the detailed things in the football game. And I think consistency, being smart, there's certain, so many elements that he adds to, uh, to this team. And I think the, the, the biggest one to me is just we stay detailed um, in terms of the little things that help us win football games. And he doesn't let that slide. He, he maintained that focus. He maintained that structure. And uh, obviously he's played in his lead and he understands and he's coached for a while. So uh, I think that alone... That you know what I'm saying. That energy, that knowledge alone, gives us a chance to go win football games. And finally, last one for me. You, you're looking obviously to win football games. You're five and two. Playoffs firmly in your sights now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing about us is that we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, one thing about this league is that it's always been like a marathon. Uh, and we, we, we treat it by, by game, week by week. Uh, this week is, it was just week. This was the biggest game for us this week, and we were able to accomplish what we needed to get accomplished. And now it's just time for us to take this rest. We have a bye next week, and, you know, get some rest, recover, and then the following week will be the biggest game for us. And when it's over, 16 weeks, we tally up the wins, and, and we move forward. Uh, I think it's, it's imperative that you do that in this league because you never know. And I think, you know, the peaks and valleys in this league, uh, you kind of want to, you know, ride that wave and stay consistent throughout 16 weeks. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Antonio Gates, what a hero. Love the guy. Big, big fan. This is the sleepiest and tiredest podcast we've ever done. I'm quite enjoying it, but it is incredibly tired. Uh, Coming up, we've got Coach uh, Billick. Coming up, we've got Mark Brunel on Blake Bortles as well as we go guest heavy. Let's just give our thoughts on a couple of things that have happened around the NFL in the recent days, though, Ollie. And um, I kind of want to start off by talking about Amari Cooper. First round pick uh, from the Dallas Cowboys to send him over to... uh, I'm going to ask Coach Billick, is this the move that changes the the Cowboys into a real contender for you. But Cooper is someone who has been incredibly up and down in his career, who hasn't shown consistency, who has shown flashes of brilliance, but occasionally not had the hands that he's needed to have to really be a, a top, top guy. And, uh, you know, bar that one 1,500-yard season in his sophomore... Uh, not even 1,500, 1,200-yard season in his sophomore season... I, I still don't believe we've seen a top, top-tier receiver. Now, some people have talked about how the 2015 draft class, you look at all the receivers that came out of it, and he's the best of that bunch. But being the best of a bad bunch doesn't make you worthy of being the uh, getting a, a top, top pick from a team. No, it doesn't. And I think his production over the last two years doesn't point to him being a number one, wide, you know, a first-round wide receiver I'm not sure you're getting too much value in that when he is on it and he's hot and 
he's great. We've seen 200-yard-plus games from him, which we kind of look at the likes of Julio Jones or or uh, Odell Beckham for. But uh, Amari Cooper does put those kind of numbers up, but he suffers with drops. It, sometimes it seems like a lack of effort. I'm not sure how great a route runner he is. We, we killed Gruden for the Mac trade, and I think understandably so. But when we killed Gruden for the Mac trade, it was because he was getting rid of a generational talent in a position they desperately needed it and he was going to be hard to replace. This time, I think they've done a good job, the, the Raiders, of getting really good value for a player who, in a year and a half, they're going to have to pay him anyway. You imagine the Cowboys are going to have to give him an absolutely giant contract at some point because of this. You look at their depth chart now and, and you think, OK, so we've obviously got Zeke and we've got Dak. We've got an offensive line who are starting to look like the offensive line, certainly at least against the Jags, the offensive line that we were expecting and hoped them to be. Alan Hearns, they've now got a nice possession receiver with the weight of being a number one off him. You've got someone like Michael Gallup, who, now that he's not going to get double teamed on deep threats, etc., because that's going to mostly be focused on Amari Cooper, he had want that one big catch for the touchdown this weekend and could be, again, a very influential player. In theory, it's great, but it's so much theory to invest a first-round pick in. When you see Josh Gordon producing, and I know he had his off-the-field problems, but going for a conditional fifth or whatever it was to the Patriots, I just think, you know, y- you probably could have pushed them to a second, even a third. Like, Amari Cooper is worth a third-round pick to me. Yeah, Maybe a low second if you're expecting to be a top-end team. First-round pick, and the Cowboys have absolutely blown their load. Yeah, it's like Dallas have gone there, got in there and gone, uh, what, what, what were they give him up for? Well, let's not do this year and next year's first round. Let's just give them this year's <laughs> first round. You know, 2019's first round. And, and the, the Raiders have gone... Yeah, go on, man. We'll, we'll take that. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Bite their hands off. Run away with it. And then you've got the... the uh, just, by the way, the wide receivers in that draft class I talked about. So Cooper went fourth overall. There's only one other uh, pro bowler in that, in that class, and that was Tyler Lockett in the third round. You've then got Kevin White, who has been non-existent until a near Hail Mary catch this week. Injuries plagued him for two years, haven't they? Devontae Parker, who apparently is lazy <laughs> or whatever you want to say about him, you know, him and Gase falling out. See at Cy Clancy's... Uh, 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 yeah, exactly, <laughs> Twitter for more. <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, who he's had his moments, but really doesn't look like a first-round receiver. Brashard Perryman, Philip Dorsett, into the second round, Doriel Green-Beckham. It's oh, been an ugly, this, ugly uh, draft for receivers. Uh, looking at that, there's... There seems to be an attitude problem <laughs> that is commonplace throughout all of those wide receivers. I think Gruden's done brilliantly to get what he's got for, I don't know whether it is Gruden, but whoever made that decision, well done. I just, you can't cover up the fact that they got rid of Khalil Mack. Then the, we have this Giants trade. The Giants trade, Eli, have made the joke already. Eli Apple goes to the New Orleans Saints. Will it work under Dennis Allen? I imagine he'll be going into lineup opposite Marshall and Lattimore. Uh, he's been a brilliant slot guy for the Giants in the past, so maybe they'll even bring him in, bring him in and use him as, as a kind of third corner. Didn't give up too much from him. I think it was a conditional fifth, possibly, um, which means that yeah, they've already given up their first, third, and fifth in next year's draft. But he was a player who got called out by some members of his own team for his work rate. It's whether or not Dennis Allen can take what was that amazing rookie talent and turn it into something that can impact this season. But apparently they went hard after Patrick Peterson, couldn't get a deal done. So they've gone to their second choice. And Eli Apple, talent-wise, improves this defence immediately. 
It's whether or not he, they can get him playing at his level that he can reach. Look, let's um, let's talk about some of this with Brian Billick yeah. because it's time to call him. So uh, let's give him a ring right now uh, and then uh, uh, crack on and, and see what uh, the Super Bowl winning head coach of that phenomenal Ravens team has to say. Delighted to say that uh, that joining us on the line now, Super Bowl winning head coach, Super Bowl 35 with the Baltimore Ravens. You've heard him on our show at the Super Bowl before. Uh, and he's now an, uh, and he's now at the NFL Network as an analyst and, and one of their best guys. Uh, coach Brian Billick. Coach, first things first, the NFL Network are doing this whole everyone's out in London week this week. Good morning. Football's coming from here. Game day's coming from here. Why aren't you out here, coach? I know. I, you know what? I got to talk to my agent about that. I would love to be. <laughs> we love to come to London. Love to be there for Wimbledon. And uh, I got to talk to somebody about that because it sounds like it's going to be a great time. How are you enjoying life uh, working with the NFL Network and, and getting to just watch football and not necessarily have the the day to day of uh, being in the in the coaching room and being uh, being out there watching film, working with players every day. Yeah, it's great. I get to kind of do the film work and, and stay close to the game, and yet nobody's trying to run me out of town. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> surely you don't. You never get run out of town in Baltimore, right? Surely you can't go out in Baltimore without. Surely you've never paid for a drink there in Freedom the last fifteen, sixteen years. You know, it, I would tell you it's pretty good. You know, when I left Baltimore <laughs> and we stayed in the area here in the Mid Atlantic, and uh, it, it's fabulous when I run across people and the generosity and. Uh, the affection they have for it, it's, it's, it's nice. Are you still doing your work with, uh, with X-Tech at the moment as well? Sure am. The X-Tech pads, boy, that's the, this is the next level for, for protection for our players. Of course, everybody's trying to take the head out of the game, rightfully so, because of the concussion protocol and the safety of the players. Well, that just puts a higher premium on the, uh, on the pads, which really haven't changed in 40 years until now. The X-Tech pads is the next level of protection for the players. So I know more and more NFL players are doing across the board, college players, even high school players. Uh, it's, it's the pads that our players need to stay protected. And it's players like Melvin Gordon, Khalil Mack, guys who are living up to a pretty high level at the moment. So uh, they're not a bad uh, advert for what you can achieve with those, kind of, those different style of pads on. Well, they're just tailor-made for the players. You know, They're using the new XRD technology, which is the military-grade it's, it's for the, the foam that disperses the hit, which is so important. Uh, and it's just it's tailor-made for the players. And in all 32 NFL clubs, over uh, uh, 400 colleges, Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame, I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, and, and, again, the great thing is it's now working down to the high school level for players that to get that extra level of protection uh, because the game is getting bigger and faster. And it's growing hugely here in the UK. And you can get uh, 10% off your pad order at xtechpads.com now using the promo code SEASONS. We do recommend if you're trying to get your team here in the UK uh, padded up, there is the way to go. Uh, look, Coach, I need to ask you about this, this current Ravens team because it was a devastating way to lose this weekend. But actually holding that Saints offense that have been scoring 36-plus points a game in the way that they did for such huge chunks, I'm... I'm really excited seeing what they're doing with that, that defensive side of the ball at the moment. Yeah, they're playing very, very well. And, and you have to give credit to the Saints to come on the road into Baltimore and win a very tough game. They now are going on the road and have to play Minnesota in Minnesota, another really great defense. So the Saints are really kind of staking their flag, so to speak, in terms of, yeah, we're, we're the team to challenge the, the Los Angeles Rams because we're playing the best defenses in the league on the road. But the Ravens' defense are so solid up front. 
uh, so good at what they're doing. It was a great game. And, and uh, for Justin Tuck to miss the extra point was the most shocked individual in the world uh, because he's just been so good at that. I tell you, the the shot of him, his reaction to seeing that is easily one of the greatest videos and will be a, a meme and a gif and a shed on the internet for many, many years to come. We were all stunned, but he reacted to it in the right way. And I, I really like Baltimore this year because... In a league where we're talking so much about the offensive innovation and, and how offense is completely handling the NFL right now, it's those one or two teams that can do it on both sides of the ball that I think could come out come January. Yeah, I think you're right in pointing that out. I mean, there are a lot of great teams. Kansas City's been spectacular, but they have some questions on the defensive side of the ball. L.A., the Rams look you know, complete. Uh, the, the the Pittsburgh Steelers look really, really good offensively, have some questions on the defensive side of the ball. So in terms of the balance that you're talking about, playing great defense, uh, solid offense, running the ball, passing the ball, uh, that division, the, the AFC North, it's got Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and, and uh, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to come down to the end. It's going to be a dogfight to the end. So, it, And the next couple games are going to be important. The Ravens have to go down to the Carolina Panthers tough road stop for them uh and obviously they're going to play the Steelers after that uh next couple of weeks are going to be very telling in the AFC North with Baltimore Pittsburgh and Cincinnati coach we saw in this Saints Ravens game two gadget style players and who are getting more and more exposure as the season is going on I'm talking of course about Taysom Hill who you see on on special teams and on offense in in some running plays near the goal line or, or trying to get those that short yardage. And on the other side, Lamar Jackson, who scored his first touchdown, the QB, but he's great on his legs. If, if you're a defensive coach or a special teams coordinator and you see those guys on the field, are you expecting something from them or is it the great misdirection and it'll go somewhere else? Yeah, you got to account for it. They do. They add an element to it, particularly on third down in the red zone when these guys are used a lot. Um, you know, it's a lot when you're going to take a guy like Drew Brees off the field or at least out of the position, take it out of his hands and put it in the hands of a Taysom Hill. That that's uh, that's doing a lot because, you know, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. And I don't know in a critical situation, I don't want his hands on the ball, so to speak. But it does add an element. And if nothing else, it forces defense during the course of the week in their preparation to a lot time to prepare for, OK, if the guy comes in, we're going to do X, Y and Z. Uh, and so it add, you have to add another defensive package that adds to your total preparation time. You know, you were an offensive uh, coach, and and you, uh, you you had some great teams in terms of talent. But what we see from teams, you mentioned the Chiefs, and I think you've got the Rams. You've got uh, what Sean McVay's doing there. You've got what Shanahan was doing when he had the full complement, and that introduction of more spread more gadget stuff, more of those college ideals coming into into the kind of main game, which we, we heard was going to happen 10 years ago and never seemed to. What have you made of this? What do you think you do with all that now happening in the NFL? Well, cl- clearly it's an evolution when you talk to defensive coordinators. You know, back in the day when I was coaching 10 years ago, you know, it was beginning to change. You'd be in your base defense 60% of the time. You'd be in your nickel defense 40% of the time. Then it switched. You're in base about 40% of the time. You're in nickel 60% of the time. I talk to defensive coordinators today. They'll tell me that by year's end, they'll be in their base defense less than 20, 25% of the time. So it tells you it is changing and it is becoming more spread out. Defenses are getting smaller. I'm not sure that from an offensive standpoint, 
there wouldn't be a good philosophy that, you know what, I'm going to get big and I'm going to get physical and run downhill because these defenses are evolving to getting smaller and smaller and faster and faster. I wonder as well, there's a few kind of decisions I want to ask you about from this past week from a coaching perspective. Starting off with here in London where Mike Vrabel of the Titans made this decision to go for it on two, four two, sorry, Less than 40 seconds left, down just a point. And and similarly, some of the decisions we've seen in overtime this season already, this idea of going out and being a bit ballsy to get the win rather than being a little bit more conservative. Firstly, is this a reaction to stuff like the Eagles doing that and being so successful with it? But what did you make of, of that call in particular? Well, and, and, and uh, I do my radio day here on a Tuesday and I'm with virtually every major city in the NFL and, and, and everybody's talking about those types of decisions. And, uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, I look at it from a coaching perspective, they're all made with specific reasoning and, and tactics in mind. No one just haphazardly says, Oh, I'm just going to go for two. <laughs> there is Mike Rabel laid out. It was less than 40. He was going to go for two over a minute and a half. They would have kicked it. And those are sound reasons. Now, unfortunately in the NFL, they're, the results are the only they're looked at one of two ways. If it worked, you're you're right, you're a genius. If they don't, you're the village idiot. So you, you know it's it's a hindsight that you look at it. The reasons that you went for it can be very very sound, but if it doesn't work, then people are still going to question it. If Mike Vrabel had kicked the extra point instead of going for two, and then eventually in overtime had lost, then people would be second guessing that. Well, when you had an opportunity, why didn't you go for two to be able to put the game away? Why put it back onto the field? So, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty in terms of deciding what a coach should or would have done. Uh, but you, there is thought going into it that, you know, and like I said, he laid out very specific the parameters that he was going to use to decide whether to go for two or one. It, the thing is, I, I totally get that. And from a coaching, it, it, there is a sound element to that. But we did watch it. We said, right, you've gone play action on the fourth down to get the touchdown. You've done the same on the first two-point attempt. Dion Lewis has been running like an absolute freight train. Derek Henry's there as well. You know, I'm not quite talking Seattle Super Bowl levels, but please run the ball. Yeah, and that's and but then again, that's always the same the same thing. If mm. if you run it, you don't get it. The mentality is, well, how could you run the ball? You got to be able to throw it. You got to spread it out. Um, but you have you go in. You have very specific plays for two point opportunities. Uh, you may have a handful, two or three, in your back pocket as to what you're going to go with. You see how the game goes itself. Uh, they had actually thrown to get the touchdown itself with the play action. So they made that determination, and, and you have to, and that's a tough one because you have to decide, okay, what's the defensive guy going to do? Is he going to align himself? Is he anticipating a run, or is he anticipating a pass? And there's really not a lot of data to draw from when you do that. So it's a bit of a guessing game. Three consecutive defeats for Miami now. Uh, Adam Gase is, is coming under a little bit of criticism for some of his decisions, one of which is Devontae Parker not playing. Devontae Parker's agents come out and said that uh, Gase doesn't know what he's doing. How do you deal with a player as, as a coach who you feel isn't performing or, or buying into what you're trying to do? Well, at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's, that's ultimately what your job is as the head coach, to get everybody singing from the same hymnal, so to speak. Uh, because if you've got people going off in different directions, believe me, Adam Gates is motivated to win. He's motivated to get the best players on the field. And if he thought Devontae Parker could make a difference, he'd put him on the field, whatever reason that he's not doing it. Uh, but there again, you know, when, when you're not doing uh, well and they're not, they're not playing very good defense, Detroit ran for better than 240 yards. 
I mean, my God, this is the Detroit Lions. They haven't run 240 yards in a season, let alone a single game. Uh, and the Miami Dolphins. So that, you know, uh, they're, they're lucky that Brock Osweiler has actually come in and played pretty well at quarterback. Uh, and, and they're in a division that obviously, as typical, they're staring up New England Patriots. So they're like a lot of teams that uh, they're now they're moving divisions. They're in the AFC wild card division. They're looking around at the other teams because it doesn't look like they're going to win the division. So they're looking at the other teams in the AFC, like those AFC North teams, like San Diego and Kansas City and the AFC West. These are going to be the other teams you're actually competing with to get those two wild card spots. There are two more I just want to ask you about before we let you go, Coach. The first of all is the Amari Cooper trade. First round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, from what you've seen of Cooper in Oakland, does, does that feel like that's a, a good value for, for Dallas? It's a high price for my money, a first-round pick. That for the Dallas Cowboys, the way they're playing, could end up a top 10 or 15 pick. Now, Amari Cooper is a good player, make no mistake. There's been some inconsistency. Maybe he can find that in Dallas. Uh, with Oakland, you know, it's basically a, a, a yard sale now. You know, they're, get, they're getting ready for next year. They've picked up now their third first-round pick for next year. Uh, you know, at some point, you got to have players on your team, and, but they're, they're approaching it like a garage sale, and they'll take offers on just about anybody they have. Uh, because they're playing for next year uh, or planning on next year. For Dallas, you know, it's always a dangerous thing when you think you're just the one player away. Typically, that leads to a bad decision on personnel. We'll see if he makes a big difference for Dallas. I'm not sure the inconsistency of Amari Cooper is going to be that difference of that go-to number one receiver that they're counting on him to be. And then finally, being a tight ends guy, I just want to ask you about the, the, the position in the league right now. Basically, as a 49ers fan, I want to ask you about George Kittle. <laughs> oh, it all because... comes to pass now. Here we go. <laughs> I, I love the guy. I think he blocks brilliantly. He's a great pass catcher. And we all talk about Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey, but it does feel like there's a, a glut of guys coming through now who are starting to be influenced by what those top guys have done and actually starting to evolve that position again as to it being not just about the pass catching or back in the day when it was mostly about the blocking, but really being proper dual threat guys. Yeah. I mean, and, and having a good tight end that is just as you're describing is important to every team. Everybody's looking for that guy. It's interesting. You talk about Kelsey, Kelsey comes in the league. He was a third round pick for the Kansas city chiefs. He was brought in the league. Primarily. They thought he was a good point of attack guy. They didn't realize he was that good down the field. And here he's evolved in one of the best pass catching tight ends in the league. Um, so, yeah, that, that is a big position. Uh, quarterbacks love having a good tight end. The best offenses usually have a tight end. You see in Pittsburgh, this Vance McDonald kid has really come on on playing well. In Baltimore, they used the first-round pick to get Hayden Hurst, and they got this kid, Mark Andrews, uh, who's playing really well out of Oklahoma. So you identified it. I love good tight ends. I think it gives you a lot of multiplicity. You can get big. You can spread them out and throw the ball over the place. So, a, a, excuse me, a good tight end. Is it a high premium in the NFL right now? Well, Coach, if you do manage to get out to London for one of these games in the not-too-distant, because we've had some great chats about those uh, about those glory years in Baltimore before, and, and I always enjoy hearing stories from you. So uh, anytime you're in town, much like when you're in Baltimore, you won't have to buy a drink while you're here either. I appreciate it. You'll buy me a pip. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Brian. I really appreciate your time. Coach Brian Billick joining us here on The Gridiron Show. The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. 
We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now. I love him. I, yeah, he's, I think I love him. He's one of those guys. It was, it was a weird one today because we got kind of offered that quite short notice because we've kind of become friendly with the, the guys that he works with. And he is, he's such a, so giving with his time. Like when you get these off and you'll get the email, and it'll say five, six minutes, da, 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 da. And they said, right, he's got something else. He needs to leave the house about five, two. So we can do maybe 20 minutes or so. Is that okay? And it's like, absolutely. But we know about this very late notice let's just ask him about all the big talking points yeah. let's get his thoughts on them i i think he was very political in some of his answers particularly about amari cooper we went oh first round pick does feel like a high price to pay yeah no dirt that mr billick coach billick <laughs> yeah. because uh, yeah can't get over it i just honestly i t- i was suggesting maybe i don't think he just can't can he be the missing piece in Dallas, for me, only if he's like a great decoy, I reckon. He's certainly an upgrade as well. And but is he an upgrade worth a first round pick though? But, no, but not on a first round pick. I don't think he is. I mean, there were some players that they could have taken and got better, more years, better production in this draft rather than <laughs> rather than spending next year's draft pick on a guy who is is streaky almost at best. Uh, I, I wanted to ask him about Blake Bortles and whether it was the right decision to bench Blake and then it, conversely what he made of the decision to say that Blake Bortles will be the starter against the Philadelphia Eagles in London this coming Sunday. But I then very quickly remembered that that would be ridiculous to take up his time doing that when we have a guest on next who will be answering a lot of those questions, hopefully, with you. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, Mark Brunel... This is a very odd situation. We're going to be talking to him about the quarterback position and about Blake Bortles as well, but also about this fascinating thing he's doing with Virgin Atlantic. Obviously an official partner of the NFL London Games, and we've done you know, stuff with them before. He's attempting to take on the world record flight of a paper aeroplane, and he's doing it alongside a top engineer from Virgin. And by the time people listen to this, it might be too late, so I'll tweet it out tonight. You can enter to guess how far the plane will go, and if you get it right, you can win a trip to the Pro Bowl. Shall we do that? Because we're looking for flights to go over there. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, we could really, really do with it. So yeah. uh, I'll get on it now. Uh, in fact, let's not tweet it out because we want to make sure that we've got the best chance of winning it. So we're going to talk about engineering and paper airplanes first, but then we will get to Blake Bortles as well uh, with Brock Brunel, former quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Delighted to welcome on to the show now, former Jacksonville Jaguars, calls back a Super Bowl winner, uh, went at the New Orleans Saints, and uh, now at least a man who's attempted a world record. We'll hear all about that in a moment with Virgin Atlantic trying to throw a paper aeroplane the furthest. Uh, Mark Brunel, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, Will. Thanks for having me. So we put it out into the world. People entered the competition. Did you manage to break the world record? Will, uh, I did not. The world record was about 75 yards. Uh, I got to about, I think it was about 
15 yards. I was just a little short, Will. Just a little <laughs> short, just a hair. What, uh, what, do, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think went wrong? What do you think? Because, I mean, I'll tell you, I went, I entered the competition. I wanted to go to the Pro Bowl. Um, uh, we, I, I went for, I thought you were going to break it. I went for about 83 yards. So what, what do you think happened? <laughs> Well, if I if I had a chance to throw a football, I might have had a chance at that. But it, but unfortunately, I had to throw a paper airplane. But uh, you know, it was it really wasn't about breaking a record. It was a, it was about um, people getting the opportunity to guess what distance I would throw, and then the uh, the winner would get a trip out to the Pro Bowl. This is a partnership between uh, obviously Virgin Virgin Atlantic and the NFL, and, and just a kind of a fun campaign to. Uh, engage some some football fans and give them an opportunity to go see more football uh, in Orlando at next year's Pro Bowl. So, all in good fun. Uh, I had a great time doing it. Uh, came up a little short, but uh, had a good had a good couple throws, but didn't win a uh, didn't uh, break the world record, of course. But somebody's won a trip to the Pro Bowl, and that is one of the most fun events yes. you can attend in the NFL, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, there's no question. The Pro Bowl is in Orlando. Uh, so much to do, and uh, it is a great trip. So obviously they will uh, still be doing trips with Virgin Atlantic if you were unlucky enough. If you were like me, a little overconfident in what the distance was going to go and went about four or five times what it did end up going, uh, you can still get out there. So check it out at Virgin Atlantic. Uh, Mark, over in London for uh, the Jags game with the Eagles this weekend. And this is absolutely massive for the Jaguars after a, after a really tough last three weeks. Yeah, Will, this is a must-win game for them. Uh, the last three weeks have been unexpected. They've been tough. Um, and there are reasons for it. Uh, it really starts with the offense. We can't seem to do anything right right now. Uh, we're not catching the ball. We're not throwing it well. We're turning it over. We're not running the ball. We're not protecting Blake Bortles. Uh, just a lot of problems. And because of that, we're having the defenses on the field too much. Our defense is very good, but even the best of defenses, you know, having to be on the field too much uh, in, in today's football with some very dynamic, up-tempo, fast-paced, high-powered offenses, uh, it, it's tough on them. So um, real difficult for the Jaguars right now, but certainly a must-win against the Eagles. The um, Obviously, you say about staying on the field for too long, but the, the other problem last week against the Texans, our game, Live on Talksport Two was two of those. Well, ten of those twenty points they conceded came on incredibly short field after the turnovers, and and it was after that second turnover that Doug Marone made the decision to put Cody Kessler in, take Blake Bortles out. He said the Bortles will be starting this weekend. Do you understand and kind of support the decision that Doug Marone's made to initially pull him in the game, but then to put him straight back in again? Yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, uh, you know, if you turn the ball over, you don't get to play. And if it's a pattern, if it's happening too much, then uh, whether it's the quarterback position or the running back position, whoever touches the ball, if you're turning it over, um, you know, you're going to get pulled from the game. And, and uh, Coach Marone was looking for a spark. Uh, he put in uh, Cody Kessler, who I thought did a fine job. But it was certainly the right decision, in my opinion, to bring Blake back into the fold and have him start uh, against the Eagles. Uh, he's won the last three games in London. Uh, he does give you the best chance to win the game. And it was a message last week that was sent to Blake. I think Blake received it and uh, understands full well that, you know, for him to continue to be the, the Jacksonville Jaguar quarterback, he's got to take care of the ball and make good decisions. So, 
this is a big game for the Jaguars. It's uh, it, it's obviously a, a very big game for Blake Bortles as well. And you know, you've you've spoken with Blake many times in the past. You, you know the man. Do, do you think he is? There is always, when it comes to particularly the quarterback position and the psyche of that position, so many different ways you can deal with that. And we've seen these tactics work before with guys. Do you think he is somebody who's going to react positively to that and, and actually grab this bull by the horns and, and turn things around this weekend? Well, Will, I could tell you what I'm, what I'm hoping for. <laughs> I'm hoping uh, he does you know, play well and embrace this challenge and... and and go out there and take care of the ball and, and, and be the Blake that we've seen, you know, in the past. The Blake Bortles that we've seen against the New England Patriots and the Blake Bortles we saw in the, in the playoffs last year. But honestly, Will, I don't know. Um, Blake's, Blake is uh, uh, very inconsistent. Uh, that is the only thing consistent in his game is his inconsistency, if that makes sense. Uh, some games he plays really well. Some games he really struggles. So, I hope he does well, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect Sunday against the Eagles. To be honest with you, Will, it's a tough defense to go up against as well. They've obviously just won the Super Bowl, incredibly aggressive, but they're having a rough ride of it themselves, giving up a seventeen-point lead this Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, to, to a Panthers offense that actually, in Cam Newton, have a quarterback. Not that dissimilar to Blake Bortles, someone who obviously can do some damage with his legs, but is inconsistent is the right word, I think, for Cam as well with his with his arms. So there'll be some hope there. When they watch the film, they will see some things, I think, against the Eagles from this past weekend that they can exploit as an offense if Blake comes back and plays at a decent level. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, and every team in the NFL is beatable. Every team. But you've got to play well. You've got to take care of the ball. You've got to, like you said, exploit the weaknesses on either the offense or the defense. It's not always the best team that wins, Will. It's the best team on game day that wins. So um, are the Eagles a better team right now? I, I think most people would say yes. I would say yes. But that doesn't mean that we can't beat them. Uh, we just have to be the best team on Sunday, and hopefully that's, that, that's what happens. I just want to finally uh, ask you a quick question, Mark, about a, a friend of yours, a guy you work with uh, in New Orleans, Drew Brees, because he just became the fourth quarterback to, to hit the 500 passing touchdowns, Mark. He's now got the most passing yards in, in NFL history. And sometimes when people talk about the all-time greats, he's not necessarily mentioned in that top two, top three, top four, the, the Joe Montanas, Peyton Mannings, Tom Brady's of this world. But... There's no denying that when you see what he's achieved and you see these numbers, these records seemingly falling week in, week out, that he has to be considered in that all-time great pantheon. Yeah, and, and uh, he certainly is now. Now, it's, it's been a long time coming because I agree with you that he has not had the recognition um, um, that he has deserved. But now that he has broken these records, um, those records have legitimized him as one of the best to ever play the game. So whether it comes early or it comes late, uh, Drew, you know, Drew doesn't care. Uh, he's just out there trying to win games, trying to win a championship. But uh, he is one of the best to ever play the position, and, uh, and I, I'm very happy for him. He's, he's, I don't know if you've had a chance to interview him or be around him at all, Will, but he's one of the best football players, uh, obviously, in the NFL. He's one of the best people one of, in the NFL, and, and I'm very happy for him and his family. Uh, yeah, and I would agree with that sentiment. I've only uh, kind of, when the Saints came over, I had a chance to spend a little time with him, but he came across as incredibly humble. And uh, yeah, I mean, yep. 
I'm sure if you'd managed to break a record today, Mark, you would have been exactly the same. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, look, Mark, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for chatting with us. Enjoy London this week. Enjoy the game, and hopefully we'll see you up there. Uh, that sounds good, Will. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it, buddy. Mark Brunel joining us, talking about paper airplanes and current NFL quarterbacks. Let's we'll talk to him about Drew Brees and those records, Ollie. And just there was, I, there, there was, I listened to the around the NFL podcast this week because I often do friends of the show and all that. And they were talking about how maybe there's some complacency over some of these records, and because they think they'll be broken year in year out, but. And I'm going to keep banging on about Breeze in the same sentences as the likes of the Bradys of this world. And if there is a team who right now, after that win in Baltimore, that I like as a as the proper, proper Super Bowl wildcard, who else in the NFC is, is better than the Saints right now outside of the Rams? The Rams are the talent of the NFC, but really... Who's who's your next team there? The Saints have got to be in a glut of teams you'd have around second. I think they've got the best offense in the NFC, quite clearly because of better than the Rams. Oh, look, you you stack up. Yeah, I think so. I think Ooh. so because the Rams have got really, they've got only Gurley that can that I would slot straight into the Saints team over Ingram. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then you'd have Kamara in there yeah. as well. You've got Breeze is is having a better season. All right, you've got some of the guys on the offensive line. You mix Andrew the offensive Whitworth. line. Yeah, they yeah, kind yeah, of work yeah. together. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tight ends is a much for a muchness, but then Michael Thomas is a class above any of those wide receivers. But like you look, the NFC East after this weekend, Washington have now struck out into a lead, but I still think Philly look like the best team in that division. They're going to cause Jacksonville problems this weekend. Ooh, I think Washington will, will win that division. Minnesota right now, they are pulling away from Green Bay, but that's a, you know, and there's no team under 500 in that division right now. So who are the class there? The Panthers... Good win for them against the Eagles this weekend. Great come from behind yeah, win, but, but they are not a team. The three quarters they were dreadful. Yeah, that's it. They're not a team I can see yeah. being consistent. You can't trust them. The Rams for me, a Rams Saints NFC title game. <sighs> if they were the one and two seed, <clears throat> I'd be happy with that. Imagine if that was in New Orleans as well. I don't think it. I think it will. Oh, if that happens, if they're the great. one and two seed and they play the championship game, I think it happens in Los Angeles. If they're the one can and we two, go out, we can have the Super Bowl two weeks early. If they're the one and two seed, and <laughs> just go out two weeks early. Well, what about we? this? What about this? They're the one and two seed, and it's in New Orleans. We just go. <laughs> Fine, let's just, <laughs> let's just go. I, I have savings. I don't need a pension. Yeah, whatever. I'm selling a house. <laughs> so you're going to pay it. for me as well, then. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up this week, we've got loads of great stuff still uh, to come the rest of this week uh, as well. We're going to be heading over to... We'll, we'll have a podcast previewing this weekend's London Games, of course, or London Game. Uh, me and Ollie on uh, Saturday. I'm really kind of looking forward to this because... Uh, this coming weekend, we're going to be doing a whole live broadcast from Wembley, starting at midday. Oh, Ollie's going to be in the tailgate. Yep. I'll be inside the stadium with Paolo Bandini. We'll be doing live updates. We'll be getting uh, legends on, like Fred Taylor, I think, is going to join us, uh, who was really great value last year when, when we had him on the show, uh, the, the former Jags running back. We're also going to be going to the, the NFL UK head offices and sitting down and having a chat to a couple of the players there. Uh, we'll bring you those interviews, a couple of former Eagles players. There's a former... The former Eagles players say so. We're getting um, is it Brent Selick 
Yeah. I, I always get Brent Selleck and Garrett, Garrett Selleck confused. Brent, Brent, Brent Selleck is the tight end who played for the Eagles. No, but didn't Garrett Selleck? Garrett Selleck was the guy that played for the 49ers, didn't he? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so Brent... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're getting... <laughs> So we're getting oh, Brent. You can, you can expand on your tight end love. Yeah, oh man, I can just talk about tight end. But they were also we're also getting John Dorenbos. Now I didn't know a lot about John Dorenbos. He was given an honorary uh, an honorary ring by the uh, by the Eagles. He was actually traded away to the New Orleans Saints the season before they won the Super Bowl. Ended up getting quite a serious injury and, and retiring from the NFL. He's a long snapper, as well as an accomplished magician. And a finalist on America's Got Talent. What? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know long snappers probably don't have to watch too much film, so they've got some time on their hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> getting some of those videos out on social as well. You can see some of those on our Twitter, at Gridiron. Wow. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll be going to practices and everything else and doing all the usual stuff. So, yeah, keep abreast. Also, the college podcast. Don't forget to check that out on the same feed as this podcast. Me this week. Uh, it is you this week. Me this week. Uh, it was good fun. Sherry was palatable. <laughs> I mean that's saying something, uh, and uh, we've still got, and we're still going to have um, our Skybet. Look forward to Thursday night football coming up in a moment as well, because you and I don't want to talk about it. We'll talk about it with Skybet. I really don't want to talk about that game. I'm not Oli! even going to watch it. Any final thoughts? That was going to be my final thought. The, the fact that I'm on the college football podcast. There, I think there are some really good college games on Saturday to to check out. So, um, ESPN player with that, um, yeah. I just it, it, college football's fun, NFL's fun. I love football. I just, I just get sad when I think that it's all going to be over in about four months. Oh God! Don't start getting there yet. We've got a long time to go yet, buddy. Last London game this weekend. Can't wait. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Joining us on the line now, Jacob from Sky Bet with all the latest odds. Jacob, let's kick off with the Super Bowl. Any movement in the market? So the front of the market, we've still got the Rams sitting at three to one. The Patriots are short after their tough fought victory over the Bears, which was a good show considering that the Bears had a good opportunity there to beat them. The Chiefs, again, we saw them being very dominant. They're still sat at 6-1. to one. The Saints now at 8-1. to one. A movement we've had that's shortened in a bit is the Chargers, who we saw in the London game. Ooh. And that was really good. We won that right at the end with that two-point conversion stop. And then the team that we've had to kind of drift a bit again is the Eagles. They're out now at 22 to 1. They were in driving seat against the Panthers, but they, they couldn't get it done in the end, and they, they let it go. I wouldn't be that stunned to see them coming back in after this weekend, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, let's, start, let's chat about those Rams, because it's the only undefeated team left, and that always leaves that question of whether or not a team can go the magical 16 and 0. Yeah, I think if there's a team in recent times that looks prime to do it, it is, it's these Rams. They seem to have weapons all over the shop. They've got receivers, they've got Todd Gurley, Jared Goss playing really well, and even better, that offensive line just looks like so dominant. Goss barely getting touched and he's given time to, to do that. So if you want to back LA Rams to go 16-0, and 0, you can back that now at 12-1. to 1. It's amazing. If you said 12-1 to 1 for a 16-0 team at the start of the season, I'd be going, oh, that feels a bit short. Right now, that feels pretty much bang on because they are that good at the moment. You look at the, the weakness in their division, it's, uh, it's, it's not a bad one at all. Um, what about this London game this weekend before we talk Thursday night football? Uh, what are the early goings for the Jags-Eagles game? So for the Jags-Eagles, we've got the Eagles sat at 4-7. 
and the Jags at 29-20. I suppose you have to talk about Great Balls when you're talking about this game. You know, he was benched midway through the game last season. They, they committed to him in the off-season, saying that this, that was their guy and that raised some question marks. But in the end, they have named him the starter for this week. Both teams coming off kind of tough losses um, this, season, this weekend just gone. And that, that's going to, it's favouring the Eagles there. You've got a three-point handicap in favour of the Eagles and the total points are set at uh, 42.5. For me, the key for this Eagles team is going to be is going to be throwing the ball. Last week, they didn't even have any player rush for more than 10-plus attempts. Oh, and they wow. fumbled the ball three times. Whereas Wentz had 81% completion rate in, 300, over 300 yards, two touchdowns. So... It's going to be tough against the, a Jags secondary like it is, but that's going to be the key for them for me. What do you fancy then for Thursday night football? Because as always, we do our request of it on a Thursday night. Um, I, uh, I really, I, I, well, we'll go through it in a moment, but I really like the Texans this week. Yeah, and they're sat at an eight-point favourite. I think they started off quite poorly this season, but they've really, really brought it back. And in that division with the Jags and the Titans, who are both doing quite poorly. The Texans are starting to take the driving seat there. So Deshaun Watson starts to come into his own a little bit more. DeAndre Hopkins is unplayable sometimes. So I think the Texans, yeah, they're two of seven favourites, like I say, on the handicap. Well, you're giving them that handicap. I, um, I, I decided with the request a bit. Let's, let's keep it to just a touchdown, or six and a half points. So if I go for Texans minus six and a half, I fancy both... De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller to have a good day, 80-plus receiving yards each. And I think that Texans' defensive line is really starting to ball, so we'll have them for two-plus sacks as well. What am I getting on that? So that's up at 6-1. to one. Will Fuller had a really good week last week. He had six, six receptions, 68 yards. So if they're looking to get the volume in, he could be one that they try and target. They like to get him in on the screen, get the ball in his hands, see what he can do. And if teams are concentrating on DeAndre Hopkins, it could be a good week for Will Feller. And then, like you say, the Texans' defense, that D-line, J.J. Watts come back and starting to look like his old self and it's looking really dominant. Clowney's on there as well and has already been throwing shade at Brock Osweiler. So it'll be an interesting day for them. Yeah, I, I think Clowney's been the better of the two players so far. So I like that. Up on the site right now, you can get in on our Thursday Night Football request a bet. Of course, all terms and conditions at the Skybet website it is over 18s only. And please gamble responsibly. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much. Thanks, Will. Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org.